Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. And we're, we're studying Love is Not Easily Angered, which is a really awesome study, I think, for anyone. And it's talking mainly about, um, if you look at the King James Version, it's Love is Not Easily Provoked. And I like the way God said Love is Not Easily Angered because He didn't say Love is Not Angered. And we differentiated last uh, Sunday before last in anger that's righteous anger and anger that's easily provoked. We talked about righteous anger being an anger that comes out of a love for God, that you love God and love the things that he loves. And as he changes our hearts, we become more and more and more that way. And you can have a righteous anger about a child being hurt. You can have a righteous anger about any multiple of things that God would be angry about. And we even talked about um, Jesus and how he was angry when they were desecrating the temple. And so sometimes we read scriptures like love is not easily angered and we just say, well, love is not angered. And that's not what the scripture is saying. It's saying love is not easily angered. In other words, love is not easily provoked. And there's a difference. So we talked about that. Righteous anger versus um, provoked anger. And then we talked about anger can be a motivator. Love is a motivator. And I'm flipping over to page three for those of you that are looking. And how we can operate out of provoked anger um, and that causes strife. And then we kind of went into defining strife and dissension. And really, if you weren't here Sunday before last, you prob- this is a worksheet or a handout that you can probably get the info off of pretty easily. So we left off on page four, on number four, on some ways to stop anger, strife and dissension from poisoning our lives. And we're on number four of some ways to stop anger from poisoning our lives. And we're talking about provoked anger because if God says love is not easily angered, love is not easily provoked, then we need to know ways to stop that because some of us are more apt and more inclined to have provoked anger than others. Would you not agree? (laughs) All right. Don't look at each other. If you're married, do not look at each other. Seek patience. Number four. The opposite of a quick or hot temper is patience. And I wanted you to just note, what was the very first definition in the 1 Corinthians 13 of love? Love is patient. And it's almost like God said, you know, if you get patience, all of these things are going to be so much easier. They really are. And I've really started to see that anger is stopped when we seek patience. It's from God's grace. Because some people are more patient than others. Lacey's very patient. And I'm not easily provoked to anger, but I'm easily provoked to impatience. (laughs) Which, of course, is not anger. We all know that. The opposite of a quick or hot temper is patience. Proverbs 14.29 says, A patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. Proverbs 15:18 says a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension but a patient man calms a quarrel. And that is so true. You know, sometimes just patience, just maybe not even saying anything and letting people sort of simmer down. But lots of times when you get impatient people together, it is like firecrackers going off. So a patient man actually calms a quarrel. 
And then Proverbs 16.32, better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. And that's God talking. He said, you know, it's more important to have a patient man than a warrior. So I wanted to just look quickly at the above scriptures only. Just look at those scriptures. What are the named benefits of patience? And I want us to do this because it's like when you get in the habit of drawing things out of scriptures, you get so much more out of it. It's kind of like chewing your food. If you've ever read a nutrition article, it says if you eat really fast, you don't chew your food and you just swallow it, you will not derive the vitamins and minerals and nutrients out of that food. But they said if you want to really get the best out of your food, you're supposed to chew it and chew it and chew it and chew it, which all of us with small children know that that's completely impossible. But that is how we get the most out of it. Well, it's the same with the Word of God. If we take even one scripture and really chew it and look at it and and get excited about it and apply it to our lives, it's more profitable than if we read 20 scriptures in here and we swallow them whole. And most of us, including myself, have had a lifetime of swallowing scriptures whole so that we recognize them, but they're not quite broken down and applied to our lives. And when we start applying it, it's really exciting. So looking at those three scriptures in Proverbs under number four, Proverbs 14, 29, 15, 18, and 16, 32, what are the named benefits of patience? That's right. Great understanding. Mm-hmm. Calmness and peace are some of the named benefits of patience. What are the named results of impatience or a quick temper or being easily angered just in those scriptures? That's quarreling, dissension, displaying folly. And then I wanted you all just to think, because sometimes if we just apply it, those are just three scriptures, but think about what are some other benefits of patience that you can think of, just benefits of patience. Sometimes when we really think about stuff like that, it makes us more apt to say, I am going to pray and ask God to be more patient. And then if we don't think about the incredible benefits of being obedient to God's word or the negatives to not, then it's just easy to say, oh, I'm not patient. And I joked about last week. I said, you know, we don't have an excuse to say, well, you know, this lesson doesn't apply to me because I'm Irish. And we can't do that. We can't say, well, this lesson doesn't apply to me because I'm Italian or this lesson doesn't apply to me because, you know, whatever. And so we need to know. And and, and it's funny because a lot of times we do. I mean, I hear people all the time say, well, I'm just not a patient person. Well, God says, you know, do not be easily provoked. And we've learned that one of the greatest ways to not be, to prevent it, is to learn patience. So what are some other benefits of patience that you can think of? Longer life. Longer life. That's right. Less stressful. Less stressful. Peace in your relationships. Um, I think one benefit is not having to have remorse over something you've said or done or oh that's the worst because it's just easier not to make a mess than it is to go and try to clean up the mess is anyone relating to that this morning (laughs) you all look so innocent and i know you're not what are some other negative results of a quick temper 
or being easily angered? What could be a negative result of somebody that's easily provoked or a quick temper? Guilt. Guilt. Broken relationships. Broken Destruction. And you know what? Subtly, we feel distanted from God. If you if you have a quick temper or you're or you get easily provoked, it just really hinders our relationship with Him because we do feel guiltier. We feel um, like we're not walking in His ways, and it's like we know innately that's not what God would want. Um, number five, the page five. We'll go ahead and slip on over. Love is not easily easily angered. These are some caution areas, and I'm sure there's a lot more. These are just the ones that I was thinking of, that we can become easily angered. And number one for me is the little things. It's the little things that we can become easily angered, especially in our family, especially with our spouse or our closest relatives. It's the little things. Song of Solomon says in verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 15, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. And for any of you all who have read Song of Solomon, it is one hot little chapter in the Bible that I, you know, should have a little rating on it before we read it. But it's all about, you know, just the intimacy between a husband and wife. And yet they stick this little verse in. So what does that mean? Catch for us the little foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Well, it's talking about the fruit of their relationship is ruined by the little foxes, the little small things, just like us. Our relationships and the good fruit, the good results of our relationship can be ruined by the little things. I'm so glad you don't have a handout, honey, because then you would know it was coming and you don't. So I just want to ask your forgiveness ahead of time. (laughs) But Lacey has a little sinus drainage in the morning. And he has to clear his throat, which does not at all sound like when I clear my throat. (laughs) It is something akin to... I mean, and I think it's such a, I love you so much. I think it's such a habit that he doesn't notice it. So sometimes I'll be in the middle of asking him something and I'll say, honey, you know, I just want to talk to you about, and it is like so disgusting and yet he has to do it. So it's the little things. And I truly have found myself getting so agitated and angry. I mean, and all of us have these funny little habits. I mean, some people brush their teeth and spit it all over the wind, you know, the mirror. And we all have these funny little things that we do. But it's the little things that we need to, we need to forgive and step over and, and, you know, give each other a break. Because those are the things that, you know, and, and try to do what the other person wants, even though it's, maybe absolutely ridiculous in our minds. When we first got married, Lacey's so neat and clean and um, particular um, in, in a good, good way. And um, I was used to, you know, you just kind of throw stuff in a drawer. And <clears throat> But my mom's a very good housekeeper. And um, But I was used to, um, you know, you put a sock, especially a tube sock, within another sock. Raise your hand if you do that. 
After the laundry, you put a sock in a sock. Well, you know, you can't do that because one of the socks elastic could stretch out more than the other sock. I'm over that now. He is over that now, but it's taken 14 years. And so Strife would be saying, I am not going to do that. That is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard of. And that would be a little fox in our relationship and just say, instead of just saying, yeah, show me how you fold it and I'll do that. If we will just give up our rights to be right and give up our rights to be, you know, normal sometimes. But you see what I'm saying? Those are the things that can be easily provoking to us that when we start saying, God, I really want to be patient, we have to say, I, w- I am willing to look over the little things. I am willing to, you know, be okay with my wife chewing gum with her mouth open and the things that aggravate us. Number two would be, um, notice I didn't ask you all to share. <laughs> you look like you had quite a few stories and examples. Number two would be offenses. Offenses are when somebody does something purposeful or not purposeful that just really aggravates us or irritates us or insults us. And it can happen daily if we let it. And the hardest person to be friends with, and I think you'd all agree, is someone who's easily offended because you find yourself walking on eggshells at all times with them. And that is a form in one part of being easily provoked, easily angered. So what are we to do if, if we are offended? Because we can't control other people. But if I'm offended, say someone said something about um, my child that I didn't feel like was very, you know, positive, or um, there's any number of things. Gosh, you all could name so many offenses. Have you ever been talking to somebody at a party and they're looking over your shoulder the whole time looking to see if there might be someone that was a whole lot more interesting than you. (laughs) And you want to just like break out into some Broadway, you know, just to see if they'll pay attention. Um, Or you want to say something really ridiculous, like, well, you know, we're going to go to Mars for spring break. And um, we went to the moon last um, spring break, but there wasn't really anything there to do. And, um, but anyway, what are we to do when we're offense, uh, offended? Just think of maybe something recently that's offended you. Number one, Proverbs 17.9 says that we are to cover offenses. We are to cover them. You know what that means? We are not to repeat them. We are to cover them. The first thing our normal fleshly self wants to do is to tell somebody when we're offended. And the Bible says we are to cover, not uncover. Proverbs 17:9, he who covers over an offense promotes what? Love. And what are we studying? Love. He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. So we are to cover That means even with our friends, we are to cover. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. His blood covers our sins, covers our offenses. So we are to be like Christ and cover. Um, Secondly, we're to overlook offenses. That's hard, but we are to. Because you know what? Whatever we focus on really does get bigger and bigger. 
and bigger. But if we just kind of blow it off and overlook it, we can easily forget it more than if we've repeated it, focused on it, you know, diaried about it, written about it. You know, when you're telling your child to learn in school, they tell them repetition, write it, think about it, dwell on it, and you'll get it. It'll never leave your brain. Well, that's what we do with the fences. We don't do that with compliments. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And we forget. But it's amazing how, as even as Christians, we can name more offenses than we can compliments. Do you think that's true? I think that's true. Why? Because we have dwelled and focused on the offenses. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. It is to your glory to overlook an offense. Why? Because when you're offended, it affects your other relationships. It changes your countenance. It's hard to be patient when you feel like hurt and afflicted and offended. But if you can overlook it, you rise above it instead of dwelling in it. Thirdly, do not be offended by what God is teaching you. This is interesting, I think, because I've definitely... Not realize that I was, but I've read certain scriptures that were sort of offending to me. Or I've heard a preacher talk about something straight from the Bible and I thought, you know, kind of felt offended in different ways. Or one good example I have is there's certain um, Christian stations which will remain unnamed, which you turn on and people look a little odd and say odd things every once in a while and... I remember flipping through the channels one night and just kind of having a hard night. And um, this one preacher came on that channel, and I was about to flip it because he's not someone that, that I relate to very much. And for some reason, I didn't get it off quick enough, and he said just what I needed to hear. It was just what I needed to hear. It was a scripture and an explanation of a scripture of just what I needed. And it's like sometimes we get such a turnoff by the way that someone looks or by the way that someone acts that we can't learn from God through them. And God uses the most unusual people, please don't say anything, <laughs> to teach us. I mean, he does, you know, regardless of them. In spite of them. Matthew 13.57 says that they even took offense at Jesus. And the ones that did could not learn from him. Matthew 13.57 and um, Mark 6.3 also. And they took offense at him, Jesus. But Jesus said to them, only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Sometimes we have a hard time learning what God's trying to teach us through a family member. And maybe they'll just say something absent-mindedly, or maybe it's something that they've done, and usually it's something your children do, and God says, hello, that's exactly the way you are. But it's so incredible if we'll open up our eyes to see it. The other day, Storm, um, we're trying to get him, he's, I guess, almost 17 months, and we're trying to um, get him to come, and we say, come. That's where we are. And um, Lacey is such a good, consistent, strict disciplinarian. And I'm like more, okay, 99, 
A hundred. Okay. Now, come to mommy. Well, I had said, come here, Storm, and, and he knows. I mean, he looks at me and kind of, and come here, and he runs off and laughs, and come here, and he kind of looks again at me, and finally, I said, Storm, I hate to say this, but I am going to spank you if you do not come. And the reason that I have been able to get to that place is in hearing about um, a child whose mother used to say one, two, three, every time she wanted this child to do anything. And that child and the mother were out in the front yard, and she saw a car coming. And the child stepped into the street, and she said, come here. And the child looked to her and smiled, waiting for her to say one, two, three, and the child was killed. And um, someone had reminded me last night of... Um, the saying that slow obedience is no obedience. And I thought, ugh, apply that to my life, you know, where God says, He's so patient and merciful with us. But He says, you know, for 20 years, I've been telling you to do this or not do this, and I'm just, you know, slow to obey so often. Storm, Storm was not coming to me and not coming to me. And finally I said, I'm, I'm going to thank you. Well, his sister's compassion rose up in her. And she, you know, went over to him and picked him up and brought him to me. And God just showed me such a picture of what we should do as Christians for each other. And he was kicking and screaming. He was mad at her. But he didn't get the punishment that he would have received if she hadn't intervened. And I thought, you know, what a beautiful picture of what we're to do as brothers and sisters in Christ. And sometimes when we're trying to lead someone to the Lord, back to the Lord, they are mad at us, and they're going kicking and screaming. Anyway, so we can learn from our family. We can learn even from our own children. We can learn from our spouses. Mark 6.3 also says about Jesus, the people were saying, Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. It's like the familiarity took an offense, made them offense, <clears throat> have an offense against what God would be able to teach him, teach them. And then lastly, uh, about offenses, is we are to avoid people who are easily offended. You know, sometimes we have this idea that we need to almost woo people that are easily offended. But the Bible says in Proverbs 18:19 to avoid them. An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. I mean, it's just talking about that when we have people in our lives that are offended, they're just unyielding. You can't reason with them. And one reason to avoid them is because whoever you are yoked with or spend a lot of time with you become. You spend a lot of time with God, you become more like God. You spend a lot of time with um, someone who is uh, negative. Agree with me, you become more negative. You spend a lot of time with someone who's positive and sees the good in things, then, oh my gosh, it's so positive. So if you spend a lot of time with someone who's offended and talks about offenses all the time, you will become more that way in your own life and you have to walk on eggshells because you could end up offending them. And then lastly, and these are just areas I thought of. You all could probably think of so many more. 
of the caution areas for us to not be easily angered. But lastly is stored anger. Those things that we have not let go of cause us to be provoked and easily angered. It's the things that we have stored, just the anger that we've stored. And lots of times it's just things that we've kind of kept a list of in our hearts. Have you ever had kind of a disagreement in a loud way with um, someone and they brought up stuff from like, I mean, maybe you're disagreeing about something right now, right here. And all of a sudden, they bring up stuff all the way back to like the 1960s, the 1970s, and when you did this and that, and you're thinking, oh my gosh. So it's stored anger that causes people to, to have that less patience with you. Ephesians 4:26 and 27 says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. That's pretty serious. Do not give the devil a foothold. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And you know, I don't know that we can know. We may all have a different idea of what the Holy Spirit is saying. But basically it is, do not go to bed when you are just so angry at each other that you just can't stand it. And some of times, I mean, I think in severe situations, we have to give that anger to God. And I know there can be severe situations where people are separated or or what have you. Or there's an abuse situation. I mean, we can think of that. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just the normal, strifeful things that happen in our life. And yet, there have been times, and praise God, I've I've learned enough that hopefully I have the grace to, to not be this way. But... I would go mad, bed so mad at Lacey. And he would just go right on to sleep. (laughs) And I'd hear him snoring, which was so aggravating. And I'm like tossing and turning. And I'm thinking, well, when he said that, I should have just said this. And when he, and I'm so angry. And I'm like up half the night. And he he wakes up all refreshed. And even it was something, usually it would be something that he said, or did that I felt like he needed to apologize for. Well, it's the next morning he goes, you know, I, I got a time to really think about that and I'm really sorry. And I'm like, by then it's like too late. I'm like, how do you accept an apology on two hours of sleep and dark circles? And I'm like, and I have to really have the grace to go, no, it's okay. And I'm thinking, that was so unfair. So even if we don't have closure, which I'm a big closure person, And some of us are. I need closure. I need to know that we understand each other. I need to know that things are settled. I need to know that even if we're not in agreement, we're agreeing to disagree. I have to know that. Lacey needs no closure in his life at any time, any place. (laughs) Closure is not important. Maybe you can even just forget about the situation to the point of where I say, Lacey, we need to talk about it. And he doesn't even remember what happened. And I'm like... And I could tell you word for word, and then you said, and then I, he's like, you know, I, I just don't even, I don't remember. And I'm like, how can you not remember something? I need closure. And so this is talking about, you know, even if there's not been an apology, even if we have not come together on this, you know, give that anger to God and, and say, God, I just ask you to help me and show me, and I just release that. And then if possible, do, do have closure. Do ask forgiveness from each other. 
And another point of stored anger is, you know, people that are just high stressed and angry, which is probably the majority of, of the world nowadays, because everything goes so fast and we do such weird things, like we want to be able to roll our windows down automatically so our arms don't become sore, but then we run to the workout place and work out our arms <laughs> to get on the elevator to go down. And so a lot of times even I gave the example of road rage because I think that the reason people are so angry and mean in their cars is because of this stored up anger. They have no, they're easily provoked. And that would be the best way I could just say, you know, and you can't roll your window down and go, have you read 1 Corinthians 13 that says you're not to be easily provoked? Because you would end up with a gun at your head probably. But road rage. And so even when we feel so provoked, and, and I'm sort of a laid-back driver, and not everyone is, but a lot of people have said, Kathleen, I am so angry in the car. And I really wonder if we're really angry at that driver that we've only known for two seconds, or if it's like a stored-up anger that we're just kind of ready to burst. And so just to think about that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just um, come to you in praise and just want to glorify you today. And we want to glorify you in our lives, God. And we just ask for your grace, which is what we need to follow your word. God, we can't just decide to do it. We need to have your strength and your power, your wisdom, your direction. We need you so much, God, because without you, we truly are among many other things, easily provoked, easily angered. And, uh, Father, I just ask that you would amplify in our own hearts privately, as you are so private to each one of us, the areas of our lives where we are truly easily provoked and that you would help us to really change. I think the most exciting thing, Lord, about being a Christian is that we can be any age and still dramatically changing every day. And that we're not set in our ways. God, set us in your ways. Set us in your ways. And Lord, help us to say, you know, I'm not set in my ways, but I so want to be set in God's ways. Father, please forgive us. Forgive us for the times that we have um, let our temper get away or held um, onto anger against those that we love and or been easily offended. And Lord, just help us to... Um, Help us to be more like you so that the world will see your love and desire to be your child. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org. K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.